Hello and welcome to Greetings from Brussels. This is episode 13 of our Global Tech Swamp podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and I'm joined by Morgan and Anna from our EU team. Hi, Anna. Hello. Hello, and hi, Morgan. Hi. Hi. So in this episode, we're being joined by Dora Palfi, CEO and founder of member company Imagilabs for a discussion around gender equity in the app economy and what Imagilabs is doing to close the training and employment gap for women and girls in our industry. But before that, we're covering this month's tech history and the latest tech policy headlines in Brussels. June 28th. 1965, 56 years ago, the first satellite was launched. The first satellite, nicknamed Early Bird, was launched in April 1965 and NASA activated it on June 28th of the same year. Early Bird acquired its fame as a carrier of the first commercial um, telephone call between America and Europe. It also helped provide the first live TV coverage of a spacecraft splashdown, that of Gemini 6, in December 1965. Originally slated to operate for only 18 months, Early Bird was in active service for over four years and finally went into retirement in 1969. It remains in orbit to this day and it was even briefly activated again in 1969 to serve the Apollo 11 flight when the Atlantic Intelsat satellite failed. So the next time you place a phone call, think of how far we and our satellites have come to get here. And remember, the early bird catches the worm. And that's all for Tech History. And now it's time for Brussels Bites. Anna and Morgan, can you walk us through the latest policy news from the Brussels bubble? Of course. Um, last week, the German car manufacturer Daimler and the Finnish telco Nokia announced that they have come to an agreement related to the licensing of a standard essential patent held by Nokia. Under the agreement, Nokia will now license mobile telecommunications technology to Daimler. Tire manufacturer Continental has also lodged a complaint against Nokia and announced that it would continue to pursue its case despite this agreement. Disputes surrounding the licensing of standard essential patents go far beyond the automotive sector, and they are a concern for the future of the entire Internet of Things. We will continue to follow these legal de uh, developments and advocate for licenses to be made available to all willing licensees. You can find our official statement in the show notes of this episode. On the 1st of June, the European Investment Bank and the European Commission published a new study on the state of play in artificial intelligence and blockchain technologies in the EU. And according to the report, a 10 billion euro investment gap in these technologies is holding the EU back. And the study shows that the highest number of SMEs involved in AI and blockchain can be found in the United States which has more than twice the number of SMEs in Europe. On the investment side, Germany and France alone account for about 70% of the total amount invested in European venture capitalists in AI and blockchain since 2010. If you're interested in learning more, you can find the link to the report in the show notes. EU leaders are set to meet US President Biden on June 15th during the upcoming EU-US summit. The summit comes almost a year after the Court of Justice of the European Union ruled the Privacy Shield Accord invalid, 
halting this mechanism through which companies could transfer personal information and data to the United States in compliance with the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation. In related news, the European Commission just released two sets of new standard contractual clauses. These standards and pre-approved provisions will favor legal predictability for data transfers to an extent, but they do not completely resolve the uncertainty generated by the Privacy Shield decision. At the upcoming summit, President Biden is expected to urge European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen to back a political agreement around a new data transfer framework, but the terms are not yet set in stone. You can also find more information on EU-US data transfer in the show notes. After our first stop in Romania in May, the App Association is continuing its App Makers Tour and this week we're in Germany. On the 17th of June, we're speaking to a German member of the European Parliament, Andreas Schwab. MEP Schwab is leading the discussions on the Digital Markets Act, a key piece of EU legislation for app developers that is currently being discussed in Brussels. Also joining our event are representatives of the German Ministry of Economics, um, of Economic Affairs and of course App Makers. Stay tuned, head to the show notes and register via actonline.org slash appmakerstore. And that's all for Brussels Bytes. And now I'm going to hand it over to Morgan, Anna and Dora for the policy discussion. As we mentioned earlier in this episode, we're being joined by Dora Parfi of member company Imagilabs. Dora is the CEO and founder of Imagilabs, an edtech startup supporting the next generation of female technologists by teaching girls and young women how to code. We're so proud of Call Imagilabs a member as they continue to dismantle inefficiencies around diversity, equity and inclusion in our industry. So with that, we're excited to have Dora joining us from Stockholm, Sweden, to talk about gender imbalances in tech, why this issue matters, and what can be done to solve it. Welcome, Dora. We're glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for the introduction and for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you, Dora. Um, so Imagilabs is all about changing mindsets, empowering girls, and providing them with the confidence they need to become inventors, entrepreneurs, and change makers. Um, and you have been doing this advocacy for more diversity in the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics field for a really long time now. So to begin, can you tell us more about what made you focus on this issue and what inspired you to create Imagilabs? Yes, uh, thank you for, for asking that very important question. Um, so just to begin with, I usually like to use this sort of exercise um, in logic that I believe that technology is the future. And this is not only my belief, but, uh, you know, we can see that the industry is growing extremely rapidly. Um, jobs are opening up way faster than in any other field. And technology is simply just shaping everything that is is uh, becoming our our tomorrow. And we also know that women today don't have an equal participation in the tech industry. So within the EU, we make up about 17% of all ICT employees. And so sort of logically follows then uh, women don't have an equal chance to, to shape the future. And so that is something that I, I've been wanting to change for a long time. And this, of course, didn't start with this... Uh, 
this grand uh, exercise of logic from the start, but it was more like a gradual process of me personally experiencing uh, that there was a lack of uh, women in my STEM degree uh, program uh, in my workplace and sort of just starting to think more and more about how and why this is an issue and how uh, we could actually change that. Um, and so in particular, Imagilabs, where we're focusing on uh, making programming more appealing and fun for young women, started out of my master's degree project or a research project I did uh, in university, where I co-created different product ideas with girls in order to um, create something that would be fun and sort of um, natural, easy to use in their everyday lives to learn coding with. So, yeah, and actually, you, you, that's important because you mentioned in the past that the key to tackling gender imbalances in the app economy, it really needs to begin in the classroom and not later on in the boardroom. So um, why exactly um, is the goal? Uh, why Imagilab has the goal to get women um, into coding as soon as possible? And what's the, what is the benefit in building this kind of education for students from underrepresented groups uh, in tech? And, and in the long run, um, you said that the future, uh, technology in the future, if we don't have women in the future, we can't, uh, uh, women will not be involved in technology. So why is it so important to have more diverse representation in the technology industry uh, in the long run? Mm. Yeah, so let me start with the last question first. So why is it important to have uh, more women in technology? Um, I think... So I'd like to bring in a couple of like, specific examples of how we can see that the lack of diversity in the tech industry today is actually leading to sort of um, disproportionate, um, like negative impact on, on women's life, so to say. So, I mean, some examples are just minor inconveniences. I don't know if you've ever seen examples of Google Translate or any other machine translation making the mistake of assuming um, uh, from a non-gendered word into a language that uh, uses gendered nouns, for example, translating the doctor talks to the nurse to Spanish would assume that the doctor is male and, and the nurse is female. This is like one example where you see sort of like biased gender representation in technology today. And this particular sort of issue only really surfaced uh, once women became more involved uh, uh, with uh, with uh, machine translation and started to pay attention to these details. Or another example would be very oftentimes like new technologies like voice recognition or VR simply just didn't work for women because uh, everyone developing it uh, were men. And so they were just not even tested with women. And so sometimes these can actually lead to, to you know, major disadvantages for women because technologies are not created for them. Um, Similarly, oftentimes medicine is not tested for women. So I just think it is not just sort of like a women in tech issue, it's, it's sort of like a gender equality and, and overall inequality issue um, that if we don't have diversity among the creators of technologies, then technology will not benefit uh, everyone equally. And so that was that part of the question. Um, regarding when or where we have to start, I do think there's a lot of work to be done in the boardroom as well. So I think it's not sort of like a, 
have to pick one part of the solution, but actually the solution has to be coming to all parts of the pipeline. So if you imagine or sort of almost like a funnel, uh, you know, from when we are, are um, young, getting into a career into tech and let's say getting into leading positions at, at large tech companies, um, the more we sort of like lose girls interested in early age, the less of a chance we have to achieve that gender equality in the industry. And so in particular, there is some research and data showing that until around the age of 11 or 12, girls and boys have a, a more similar interest and confidence for technology. Uh, but in the early teen years, that's when most girls lose this interest and confidence. So we um, at Imagine Labs are particularly focusing on this age group or sort of like capturing girls' interest when they are still um, open to, to coding and technology and using sort of the power of community to maintain this interest because we think this could have a really big impact on eventually the number of, of girls who would be entering higher education in, in relevant fields or just sort of like the number of girls who will feel equipped to, to essentially tackle any 21st century careers, which uh, to be honest, most of them do require technical skills. Uh, but that being said, I think there is also a lot of work to be done at, uh, at the you know, later stages. And, and luckily there is a lot of uh, other initiatives who support uh, women when they are in university, when they are entering their first jobs in the tech industry and in the boardroom. Yeah, and um, speaking of those kinds of initiatives, there's also some steps that policymakers um, are taking to address this issue. For example, the European Commission is helping female-led startups to reach the interview stage when they apply for funding. And this has actually resulted in an increase in funding um, allocated through the European Innovation Council from 8% uh, to 29% going to female-led startups in just one year. And then another one in the university field that you just mentioned um, is the Women at EIT, which is um, a community that brings together female students and female alumni of the European Institute of Innovation and Technology. And as an alumni, Dora, you yourself have been very involved in this project from the start. And I'd be interested to hear um, how your startup is working towards bringing women in tech together and how does Imagilabs actually teach programming and what's the solution it offers? Mm. Um, right. Uh, again, like many points to this, uh, this question, I'd just like to comment on it. I think that's really exciting that there is sort of new initiatives to and efforts to, to make sure that female-funded companies uh, receive more funding as well. And actually, uh, so with Imagine Labs, as, as you mentioned, we are teaching programming and more towards younger women. So we're targeting uh, nine to 14 or up to 15 year olds as of right now. But sort of our long-term mission and vision and what we often say is that um, perhaps in 10 years, uh, there will be uh, female funded companies applying to these funding opportunities will be started that will be started by uh, women who when they were younger girls the first learned to code with the Imagine Labs app so for us that would be sort of like a full cycle if we ourselves one day could invest in in in, in those female-funded companies because again I think of technology and, and also programming as sort of this powerful tool uh, to solve problems and to create solutions to the problems that you care about um, so it's not just necessarily about learning to code it's about having the confidence and having 
a sort of uh, just like a baseline knowledge so that you can uh, utilize technology to, um, you know, start a new business, to, uh, to create products um, and, and to better others' lives. And so I guess that's how like us at Imagine Labs look at uh, impacting this change in, in the long run. And um, that's interesting, right? Because um, we talked about uh, funding and financing. So closing the gender skills gap is, is only one of the aspects um, of tackling gender imbalances in tech, right? So we've seen inequities present themselves in other areas. Like, first of all, just access to capital. Um, just recently, um, in 2020, European Commission issued a report which shed la uh, light on a startling statistics, um, meaning that in 2019, 91% of tech investment in Europe went to all male-founded companies. So that, le uh, that leaves only 9% of the funds uh, for women and non-binary entrepreneurs. So. Um, can you can you tell uh, us a bit more of how this funding process has worked for you and uh, and what needs to be changed uh, around access to capital for all entrepreneurs? Yeah, right. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, actually, even that nine percent is sort of something like seven percent of that is for mixed teams, and only two percent goes to like fully female founded companies, if I'm, uh, so if I'm correct. It, so it's even worse. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so with Imagilabs, so far we've, we've received uh, financing mostly through angel investments, not VC capital. But in my network, there's also, um, you know, other women who have been uh, raising VC financing. And of course, this is, this is a tremendous challenge. And, and I think just like with everything else, like not seeing a lot of role models uh, is, is, of course, even more challenging or, or discouraging. So I think uh, it's exciting for me that I actually have women in my network who have raised the venture capital. So sometimes they think of like, oh, the 2%, perhaps I actually know them. Uh, but it is, this is very much uh, sort of like important to me that there are at least a few women. So, you know. Uh, we have started to, to be part of this conversation. But I think this also ha is a problem with multiple layers. Mm, on one hand, um, like one aspect of it uh, that is often mentioned is, is the lack of diversity among the investors themselves as well. So uh, that sort of leads to the fact that they may not see the opportunity, they may not understand the problem as well when it is coming from a founder that doesn't think very similarly to the investors. So uh, for that to change, there's also probably a lot of work to be done to diversify the sort of investor base as well, um, and not only the founder base. And so hopefully that will sort of like, you know, in a positive reinforcement cycle, lead to to a higher proportion of funding going to diverse teams and of course gender is just one aspect of it but you know um i think there is similar statistics on it going to sort of like all white uh teams so there is a lot of work to be done in sort of like diversity and and funding a hundred percent um and since there is so, so much to be done what is one final piece of advice you want to give all the women trying to enter the app economy? I think, um, well, one thing I, I usually like to say is that regardless, starting a company is really hard. So, so probably it's not 
not worth your mental sort of uh, space to think about whether it's harder for you because you know you're an underrepresented founder uh, because at the end of the day it is um it's going to be tough for everyone so what's more important is that you know if you have a problem you found that you're passionate about solving and ideally you've also found some co-founders or teammates to solve it with um then it's just best to to get to to building and and i think that's for example very exciting about the app like economy in particular that if you know how to code um you know you can get started <laughs> without actually a lot of funding and a lot of resources uh, and you can get to to building in sort of like a more lean process and, and start putting out a first version in in the imagine case even though we have a hardware product as well still without any financing we got our first customer we had just sort of like a 3d printed version of our our um our hardware we had a beta version of our app but we were already sort of out in the wild uh, and 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 getting some uh, traction and validation so really my tip is just you know get started um and, and don't sort of like worry too much about um what could be the problems you know very very far from where you are today mm-hmm. yes awesome. and yeah, and the app economy does provide quite a lot of um, opportunities, but still many, many challenges uh, to, um, to, to overcome. So thank you, Dara, for this uh, really much needed discussion about the state of gender imbalance in tech. And Imagine Lab is definitely a great example of how it can create change uh, and build the kind of society we want to live in. Um, so. In the spirit of this conversation, I should mention also that um, the App Association recently launched um, the Amplify Diverse Talent Group uh, in effort to work towards uh, empowerment in the app economy. So you can find more information uh, about our working group in our show notes of this episode. So thank you very much, Dora, for taking the time to, to speak with us today. Thank you and for, for all, and, and all the great works Imagine App is, uh, is doing. So we really look forward to, to hearing more about uh, um, future developments and uh, and have you on the show soon in the near future. <laughs> and now it's time for Random Identifiers. We're excited to have a new member of the team joining us for Random Identifier. Um, Niels, do you want to introduce yourself? Maybe tell us a little bit about what you do here at ACT and then share your Random Identifier. Thanks, Alex. Uh, my name is Niels, and I recently joined the App Association as a communications manager in Brussels. I'm originally from the Netherlands, but I've been living in Brussels for the last couple of years. My random identifier for this month is how suddenly everyone started to talk about semiconductor microchips. Yeah. <laughs> With That's the true. worldwide shortage <laughs> by the pandemic and the sudden boost in demand, companies are really, really struggling to get their hands on them. And it's in all kinds of products. It's in your toaster and it's in, literally in your pickup truck. Yeah. This and not something. Me... No, go <laughs> no, for it. It's just like not something you ever thought would come up in like daily conversation. Not either. at all. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, you it's know, a thing. It, it makes me wonder after a shortage in like bicycles in lockdown one and microchips toward well, what we hope is the till end of this pandemic, oh, yeah. what will be the next global shortage that we'll see? as we sort of emerge from from lockdown. That's a great point. And in the US, we had that gas shortage for a minute too. Yes, true. Mm. Actually, bicycle bicycle parts, apparently now you can't get them. It's, a, there's a, it's awful. You, know, you can't order any new bicycles. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to wait literally months to get them. Mm-hmm. Wow. And to there's get... a, um, rental car shortages in the U.S. too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What a wild time. <laughs> what I mean. Exactly. <laughs> um, wow. Um, well, now that we're all rather pensive, Anna, <laughs> what do you have for us? Well, <laughs> along this, not the same line, but similar. Um, I also realized I did this ex- exact same random identifier this time last year, but like it'll be a li- little different this time around. So the Bachelorette is back, which everyone that knows <laughs> yes. me knows that I'm very into the Bachelorette and all the reality shows because it's mindless TV and it's fun to watch with your friends and talk about other people doing dumb stuff on television. Um, <laughs> but this is the first part of this. But then, so with the Bachelorette coming back and then DC is fully reopening this weekend, um, these two things have combined into like me feeling a weird sense of normalcy post-pandemic. Which, I don't know, like, it feels equal parts nice and stressful. And so I've just spent a lot of time thinking about that, like, how we emerge from this pandemic, you know, kind of, like, with all these shortages, but people are, like, ready to go back to normal life. But can we even do that? I don't know. So I really don't have much, like, to add to this discussion. I'm just thinking about it. It's true. I thought about this. It does create a tiny bit of anxiety, weirdly. I didn't expect that. So 100%. You have to have a social life. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, yeah. is this the return of theory of missing out? Yeah, I think I think so. I, I just I, read an article that was like all about sort of like we haven't really had that in you know a little over a year, and now yeah. all of a sudden it's like back. Like people are buying concert tickets and they're selling out really fast, and like there are all of these sort of like like events that are going to be outside that are selling out, and people are like feeling weird about like missing them but also Mm -hmm. like they were hesitant to like buy the ticket or whatever in the first place and so yeah FOMO is actually coming back in a in a really funny way I think that's hilarious yeah yeah it's my brain can't handle it like I am so conflicted about everything (laughs) I know and just imagine now like you can go outside again but like what if you can't get a bike and so you like can't ride a bike around like that's wild to me I this is all making me think a lot it's pretty um, yeah, so like right. then maybe the only things we will be able to do is staying inside because you can't do anything. Right. Yeah. So what a funny world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be staying inside watching The Bachelorette, guys. You have a God. program. Yeah. <laughs> um, Morgan, what about you? Uh, for me, I guess it's... Um, it will be about going outside. Um, the, 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 it's, it's the it's the Euro Cup, not the Euro Cup, the the the, the championship, the Europe, European Championships. For yeah, the Euro Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the Euro Cup, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's starting again. It was postponed because it was last year, and now it's um it's it's starting in a, on the twelfth, I think, or in a few days. I'm so excited. So I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. So it's all going to be about football, and this time, well, obviously because of the pandemic, it's all over Europe. Um, so yeah, Belgium is playing on the 12th, and uh, I think uh, Germany is playing on the 17th, uh, the 15th, Anna. So um. I mean, we can only go up, you know. They did horrible yeah. the last two tournaments, so. <laughs> so yeah, so, I, um, do I they have my do, flag. Do they do like watch parties the same way they like? I remember, uh, I think it was the World Cup, but like mm-hmm. you can, you would go somewhere and they would be like projecting yeah. it on a giant. Screen. But that's the thing. 
Yeah, they should normally they should do that because of the restriction of the pandemic. I think it will be yeah. more limited. Uh, You're gonna have to yeah. book. Normally they have giant screens outside and yeah. the, the, usually the whole all city. of Europe like turns yeah. into a big party. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Greece once for the Euro Cup, and I think it was the year that like Greece either won or they did really well. It was a long yes. time ago. Like I was, a they kid. won in 2004. So yeah, exactly. that's when I was there. They won. Yeah. 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 It was, it was amazing. It was wild. I we were in Athens. Like we just happened to be wow. in Athens going from we were going I remember we were going from Lesbos, I think, to Kea. And so we had to stop in Athens for a couple of days and we just like happened to be there during it. And it was like I, I'll never forget it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> Even worse than when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, which was a crazy <laughs> thing in Philadelphia. Anyway, it was it was wild. It was incredible. It, it can be impressive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and, you know, <laughs> certainly, uh, um, yeah, partying in Greece is uh, something they've really perfected. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I can say that because I'm Greek, too. But anyway, um, well, I'm also going to talk about the fact that I can't go outside. And that reason is cicadas, because we are based <laughs> I'm based in D.C. here on the East Coast uh, in the States. And um, cicadas are this really horrible phenomena that happens every 17 years where like literally billions, I believe, is the number um, of these uh, rather hefty winged creatures um, literally dig themselves out of holes um, and then just fly everywhere and create complete and utter chaos. Um, They don't mean to. So, like, I try to remember that, you know, like, they're not malicious <laughs> creatures who are, like, you know, they don't bite, like, they don't sting, they don't actually pose any real danger, but they're, like, really gross, and they have these, like, really intense little beady red eyes, um, and they are kind of blind, so they um, fly into things pretty routinely, um, they land on people, it's very disorienting, one flew into my car, um, which I'm still not over, um, <laughs> There's about, there's like on any given day, 25 to 30 that like quite literally sleep on the screen on my window in my room. So like, I just have to like, it feels like I'm being watched by like, like 30 little tiny creatures. It's very creepy. Um, It makes me not want to go outside, even though now things are opening. Like I could go to the pool, but I won't go to the pool because cicadas will be there. And could you imagine like reading a book and then have like, five bugs that are large bugs landing on your legs like not great no it's just not great and how long do they stay (laughs) alive like so when did they disappear go to sleep for another 17 years i think like it's only another couple of weeks right it is yeah so they 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 started sort of like at the very end of may they started to come Mm -hmm. out um they've been a lot worse uh right now um this is really their peak and then supposedly um they quite literally die which i feel bad about but they die off essentially mm-hmm. um yeah. in the next two weeks over the next two weeks um which is also crazy so i remember the last time that this happened 17 years ago um continue to date myself but um <laughs> they um i remember like when they die it's like literally like like the ground is just like covered mm-hmm. in them and it's Gross. very disorienting. It's like very strange. It's one of the strangest, you know, like nature, nature is crazy, y'all. It's just a crazy thing. Um, and this adds to that whole craziness. But yeah, so um, uh, the, I'll, well, I'll include this in show notes, but like, like literally they, the, they got picked up by radar that normally like only measures mm-hmm. like weather phenomena. Um, they, 
the cicadas have shown up uh, on that radar. Um, like that's how sort of pervasive they are just like flying around. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. It's like the strangest thing ever. And also very funny that like as things are being lifted um, and this pandemic is sort of coming to not a close, but sort of a change, um, you know, then like you have to battle billions of flying insects <laughs> like it's just you know more more things that are just making me think <laughs> yeah just stay inside yeah, yeah just, and what's the best Goog- part just googling a picture of this really make, makes me really happy to live in brussels i, I know, know. you morgan but it's there's nothing here there's only a tiny little cute box yeah i um yeah i i certainly wish that i had um like lobbied really hard to get uh, act to I don't know why I would have been sent to Europe, but like would have loved to be sent anywhere but the East Coast <laughs> for the last two months. <laughs> All right, we have reached the end of Greetings from Brussels, episode 13 of our Global Tech Swamp podcast. If you are interested in learning more, visit our website at actonline.org slash techswamp. You'll find all of our episodes and show notes that include links to articles, blogs, and all the good stuff. You can subscribe to TechSwamp on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher to get the latest episode first. And don't forget to rate and review. And to follow what we're doing on a daily basis, follow us on Twitter at EU AppMakers. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye. 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 <laughs>